Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos' Week 2 matchup as the Dallas Cowboys travel to Denver to go against America's real team, the Denver Broncos. We are also joined by a special guest, Vach Lombardi. You are listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. And we are very, very excited to bring back a special guest, a football analyst, and of course, well, a Cowboys fan. Botch Lombardi is going to join us here today to help us break down this Cowboys against the Denver Broncos. How's it going, Botch? I am the most interesting man in the world, Dream Doseki. Stay thirsty, my friends. What's happening, man? Back at it again. Yeah, congrats on the the Sunday night win against your divisional rival New York Giants. That was a that's a pretty good game. That was that was a nice win. Cowboy Monday lasts all week, fam. And I saw some people say the the game was was boring. It wasn't very boring to me. I saw a lot of ass whooping this game, and I uh, took a lot of notes from it, and I celebrated all night. I'm still celebrating, so I didn't see any <laughs> kind of boring when it comes to uh, when it comes to Cowboy Mondays, which is when you know where we get victories. But Cowboy Monday lasts all week somehow. <laughs> I'm going to hope we're not going to have a Cowboys Monday this this Monday. Of course we will. <laughs> well, as our listeners know, this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. From game previews to reviews, from roster analysis, offseason and draft speculation. And of course, we got to get a few hot takes in there. Nick and I will continue to bring relevant and intriguing content for the most hardcore fans who eat, sleep, and breathe Bronco football. While it is fun to simply watch the game, we are here to provide you with an entertaining deep dive on the Broncos each and every week. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we will be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set, X's and O's perspective. So, of course, you know, make sure to be following myself here on Twitter, at MHH, as well as follow Nick, at NickKindleMHH. Be sure to tweet us, all the questions that you could possibly have. We have one question we're going to answer today from a a listener that sent us one. And we just love everybody's opinions and we love to talk Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure to check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of CBS Sports Digital Network. Also, make sure you follow and subscribe to our guest's account by following at Vach Lombardi on Twitter and subscribing to his YouTube channel, Vach, what's your your YouTube channel? Same thing, Vach Lombardi, V-O-C-H-L-O-M-B-A-R-D-I, Vach Lombardi, everything. Perfect. Vach, he is maybe one of the best I know at putting out multiple videos, breaking down film week to week from college football to the NFL. So if you want to get a deep dive into what it takes to understand how the game really works, please go to his page. It's it's amazing. He actually put out one called the, uh, the Top 5 2016 Von Miller Sacks. 
So even if you don't want to deep dive, you can at least go watch those and, and reminisce of all the, the great times of seeing Von Miller put a quarterback on his butt. Uh, we love it. So watch, keep putting out the great stuff. We love it. And we appreciate you coming on the show with us. Salute. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please make sure to click and subscribe to our iTunes as well as our Stitcher account. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, remember, for the past two weeks, we here at a Huddle Up Podcast have been running a contest. The best rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher will receive a complimentary milehighhuddle.com VIP premium membership. The winner will get access to all of our film reviews and more in-depth articles, as well as our access to our, our members-only message boards. Even if it's not a glowing review, we're looking for the best, most creative. We'll announce it later this month. Now, before we really dive into this episode, I want to, to tell our listeners that our episode today is being brought to you by mybookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. Today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to MyBookie.net and compete for great prizes totally free. And like I said earlier, we, uh, we had a fan question come in from Angela on Facebook, and she asked the question, and we'll start with this before we really get into the deep dive of, of the game ahead. She asked this. She said, I would like to see you cover this topic. Broncos publish depth chart, but O-line subs upon concussion, et cetera, don't flow with chart. What does that mean, if anything? Now, to kind of cue you in here, Vach, uh, this last game, guy that came over from the Cowboys, Ronald Leary, got a concussion. And on the depth chart, his backup is Billy Turner. But the Broncos, instead of putting in Billy Turner, put in Connor McGovern. And obviously for some that kind of, well, that wasn't his true backup. Why, why in the world would Connor McGovern come in? You know, sometimes, uh, you know, it can be like a, like a matchup situation. So if we're playing against this um, three tech and he's a gangster and he's strong and he's big and your typical backup isn't well equipped to handle a gangster, he may be soft, he may be a hat on hat uh, footwork type of guy, you would get someone that can match up with him better. So maybe Connor McGovern uh, has a little more of an, of an edge to him and Billy Turner. I mean, his name is Billy Turner. He doesn't sound too intimidating, but, um, <laughs> Um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Connor McGovern is a little uh, is a little more nasty to, or well equipped to deal with whoever you guys were playing at. You know, three take that week. Just an example. Absolutely, I think it just comes down with easy logistics, though. Billy Turner didn't dress in the game. He's not going to be the guy who can come in. I mean, he wasn't active, and McGovern can play either guard spot and the center position. He is the main backup interior offensive lineman for this team. If Paradis or Garcia slash Barber got hurt, it would still be McGovern. So don't trust exactly how the lineup is for the written depth chart. You know, it's going to depend on, like Vach said, the matchups, but also just, you know, if you have versatile guys who can play multiple positions, you're going to move them around. Like if you ran into someone at the, you know, grocery store or whatever, you called them a big stupid doo-doo head and they didn't like it. I'm going to get my brother to beat you up. And I say, what's your brother's name? They say, Billy Turner. Ugh. <laughs> not afraid of that guy <laughs> go get him go get Billy <laughs> Connor McGovern though it's just a little it's it's a lot of syllables in there Connor McGovern you know so it sounds like McGregor Connor McGregor like, so there like, you go lies sound like McGregor see so you know yeah. it, maybe maybe there's some in- intimidation in there Turn. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> moving on right. well hopefully yeah. Angela that answers your question for you 
All right, let's 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 really dive into this game because that's what we brought you here for, Botch. Since you're a Cowboys fan, you know the Cowboys probably better than anybody I know. And th- this has been a an interesting matchup in, in the past. Broncos lead the series seven to five all time. With actually have won they've won the last five games. And I hate to bring up bad history here for you, Botch, but I don't know if you remember the last time we played back in 2013. We had the 51-48 shootout. And I would say maybe the best rushing touchdown I've ever seen of Peyton Manning doing the naked bootleg, running it into the end zone. I mean, it looked like it looked like the camera guy had put it in slow motion with with Peyton Manning trying to run for a touchdown. But <laughs> I loved it. One of my favorite plays of, of the time that Peyton Manning was here. Uh, you know, sometimes when you bring a knife to a gunfight, nobody expects it, you know, and you may, um, you know, you may get a lucky shot. <laughs> Peyton Manning definitely got a lucky shot there. We didn't expect him to run for the uh, for the naked bootleg. Hey, Peyton Manning, he 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 doesn't run touchdowns. He's not fast. He's gonna throw it or hand it off to somebody. And we got uh we got caught slipping there. It definitely wasn't Tony Romo's fault because when you whenever you put forty some odd points on anybody, you should be able to come away with the win. But Peyton Manning was in the last year of his prime. I think it wasn't even his prime, but the last year of his greatness. And uh, it's hard to beat that dude. So that was his fifty-five touchdown season. He was just a, a man possessed that year. I, I don't know. It was pretty crazy to watch. It was a lot of fun for sure. And But we had a lot of games that kind of went that way of shootouts like that. And it, oh, if you love defense, it's not a – the Broncos were not a team you liked that year. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I end up bringing it up as well on that naked bootleg. You know the guy he juked out of his jockstrap? Demarcus Ware. It was Demarcus Ware lined up on that side. So future teammate and co-Super Bowl champion. There you go. Okay. Okay, we're not going to talk about the talk about the Cowboys just losing football. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about how good they played last week for sure. Yeah, I just right. why y'all let's, brought me here. Let's 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 get to the the good stuff here because we we have some key matchups of the game, and right off the bat, we're going to start off with the strength of of Dallas, the Dallas offensive line, and oh my goodness, every team in the NFL should be jealous of what they have there. I mean, it, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. You know, their, their fourth offensive lineman might be our best offensive lineman for the Broncos. It's it's crazy. But I guess, Foch, what can you tell us about this group that maybe we don't even know? Um, A lot of people want to look at our weakest link, quote unquote, uh, Chaz Green, the left guard. But man, you got to do some digging to find a weak link. And, and he's proven to be a, a gamer, so to speak. You know, we have a lot of players that have bad practices or whatnot, but um, but they show up to the game and they're adequate. And I tell people all the time uh, because they're worried about Chaz Green at left guard and Leo Collins at right tackle because we did kind of give you guys Leary and um, Doug Free decided to sit on the couch this year. Well, Leo all he had to do was be better than Doug Free, which which wasn't too much. But people said, oh, what are you going to do about the left guard spot? Well, as long as Chaz Green isn't the worst left guard in the league, we'll be fine because at the end of the day, he's playing between Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick. So they can elevate his game. And, you know, he 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 shows some chops. He showed that he can play. And um, it's going to be uh, something interesting to see on passing downs. And I do mean passing downs. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, to see Leo Collins versus Von Miller. I know Von Miller is going to play over on the right side, uh, the offensive right, defensive left. We've seen in preseasons that Leo can, you know, he can put hands on, um, you know, um, Khalil Mack, and that's a pretty good challenge if you want to, if you want to, you know, that's Khalil Mack, man. And uh, he had a pretty damn good game against uh, JPP last week. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're probably going to get deeper into the um, Leo Collins versus everybody else conversation. You know, whenever y'all are ready, let me know. Um, 
because I'm ready to talk about this. Yeah. I got stuff. Well, first, I want to talk about Tyron Smith, who's arguably the best tackle in all of football. It's up there between him and Trent Williams, in my opinion. I think Tyron Smith is a better athlete. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who checks every box, 6'5", 310 pounds, and he almost has 37-inch arm length. I mean, watching him at USC, I believe he was the 11th overall pick in the just absolutely stacked 2011 draft, which had Von Miller, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Patrick Peterson, J.J. Watt, Cam Newton. I mean, just what a freak of a draft. And Tyron Smith, you know, not surprising, the best tackle comes out of that class. He uh, actually was the ninth pick. J.J. Watt was the 11th pick, my mistake. And he was the first, I believe he was the first offensive lineman selected in the first round by the Cowboys since 1981 when they took Howard Richards in the first round. So long time, and it really set a precedent for what Jerry Jones and the just the management were doing for the Cowboys, at least so it seemed. Last year, he surrendered just a 12 total pressures, ran block as well as anybody. I mean, he's just he's as freakish as it gets in terms of the tackle position, and I am absolutely jealous. Well, you know, think about think about the Cowboys and how they how they zone block. Yes, they you know they can pull trees out of the ground and wrestle bears and um, overpower people, but they're very athletic. So when you see us on outside zone blocks, inside zone blocks, screens, um, you know, whenever guys have to pull around and make and make and make plays in open space, that you know, that's when we really shock people. Leo Collins is one of the best offensive linemen in open space. You may see him, you know, pick on um, you know, Bobby Wagner. He's he he has highlight films on Twitter if, if you just search Leo Collins. You know, so so Cowboys in space is is just as dangerous as Cowboys in trenches as far as the offensive line goes. So great tidbit there. Would you say they're a better run blocking or pass blocking offensive line? Definitely run blocking. Uh, we look good pass blocking because we've always had quarterbacks that can maneuver or work ourselves out of out of trouble. But when it comes to, um, you know, like like they're 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 these they're these um, D linemen, these big trash can full of dirt type D linemen. You know, the ones that that don't move very well, but they're heavy as hell. <laughs> Travis Frederick can dig those guys out by himself. Zach Martin can get those guys out of there by himself. If you look at Tyron Smith just with no pads. Like most offensive linemen have a little fat on them. They're kind of chubby, but you can still see that they're like big or whatever. Like Tyron Smith is built like an action figure, right? Like he's all muscle and strength. And, you know, they they dig guys out of there. Leo Collins was was praised about how big, strong, and nasty he was in the run game. And, you know, Chaz Green is a product of the other four being so great. But he's cool, too. I would definitely say run blocking and it helps because we're a run first team and Ezekiel Elliott is so physical. Now I'm, I may end up being Segway Jones right here, but I think that's how we're going to end up uh, blocking better in the passing game because Von Miller is one of the best to do it pass rushing wise. And, and you guys, you know, shot him a video out earlier. Salute to that. Um, but as far as like speed, agility, hands, technique, as what Von Miller can pass rush like nobody else right now. And I think the best way to combat that is to go after him in the run game. Um, in the um, Chargers game last week, you you kind of saw Von kind of back up a little bit when it came to the to the run plays. You can you can block Von Miller when you're going forward. I don't I don't I don't think Von likes to likes to bang with those big 300 pound tackles when he doesn't have to. So if you run the ball and constantly pound Von Miller and make him tackle Ezekiel Elliott, that'll slow that pass rush down throughout the game. 
Vaughn is a freak when it comes to the pass rush, obviously. Probably there's nobody like him in terms of his get off and his speed. But if you're going to beat him, run right at him. Don't run away from him because he can chase that guy down from behind, but run at him. That's at least how I would plan it as well. And also, you know, double team when you can. I mean, when you have such complimentary, these guys don't get enough credit in terms of how good the Dallas blocking game is. But Jason Witten is as good as any blocking tight end in the league. And Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, I remember him at Ohio State. He was probably the best run or pass blocking halfback I had ever scouted just because he would literally just pop guys. You'd see a defensive tackle get through and Elliott would stand him up. So you're you're going to have to bring it if you're going to bring Dak down. To forget about his athleticism. I mean, it could be Peyton Manning back there and you're still going to have to work to get to him. So it's definitely going to be hard. I mean, you we touched on him a little bit, but Zach Martin, uh, top three at his position. Personally, I'm going to take Marshall Yanda because I'm a biased Hawkeye fan, so I'm going to shout that out whenever I can. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> Martin is amazing. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I He could play tackle if they wanted him to. I mean, he does have that sub 33-inch arms, which scouts do go crazy about, but he could play tackle. Uh, and he's just so efficient and smart with his technique. I mean, I hardly ever see him take a false step. Uh, he did do he did struggle a little bit this week in terms of uh, Dalvin Tomlinson did a good job. Not, not struggle, but Tomlinson did a good job plugging in the middle there for the New York Giants defensive line, but Martin's amazing. And Pro Football Focus has center Travis Fredrickson as the best offensive lineman on on that offensive line. I disagree. I'll take Tyron Smith, but I'm biased to tackles. But they have him as the best, the ninth best overall in the country. And first round center, I mean, he's lived up to the hype. A lot of people criticize Jerry Jones for going center round one, but if you got that guy uh, leading the offensive line as a cohesive unit, I mean, that makes a world of difference. And I don't think anybody in the front office on the team or the fan base regrets taking a center in the first round. Tyron Smith as a as a pass blocker, and I you know I guess I could show a little uh, shed a little light uh, on what uh, PFF was talking about. Um, Tyron as a pass blocker, like he's as solid as is going to get pass blocking wise. One of the best ever do it. You're right. Um, He's one of those. Once I have my hands on you, your dad is fried chicken type guys. Right. And but but there will but there can be sometimes like some some defensive ends can hand fight with Tyron and catch him slipping. And Tyron doesn't recover very well. That's a that's one. That's one trait that you look at as an offensive lineman when you're when you're evaluating them. How do they recover? Because across the board just in the league, you know, college football, whatever level of football, defensive linemen are just better than offensive linemen. It's hard to find a good offensive lineman. So you can beat an offensive lineman, but do they have the ability to recover? And and, uh, Travis Frederick is one of the best recovering offensive linemen I've ever seen. Like, you can beat Travis Frederick at the at the at the um at the point of attack but he knows how to stick his feet in the ground anchor pop his feet recover it get back strong again and next thing you know he's whooping you so that may be why Travis is ranked higher than you know than Tyron from pro football focus or whatnot because across the board it's just it's just difficult to beat the dude and you mentioned on earlier Lael Collins right tackle really just an interesting situation for him coming out of the draft he was supposed to be a pretty high first round pick mid-round or a middle first round pick and there was an incident where a former partner of his was shot and killed in her apartment about a week before the draft and unfortunately for Collins the daughter of this uh, the deceased mentioned Collins name in to an investigator so Collins had to be brought back to uh be interviewed and he had didn't have anything to do with it he wasn't even there at the time but because of this unknown at the time he went undrafted and jerry jones swoops in and 
signs the undrafted free agent to a deal and now potentially one of the best young offensive tackles in the game. He's not the the most, you know, he's not a prototype in terms of his size. He's a little bit shorter than most tackles. I believe he's about 6'3 six, three, six, three and a half to 6'4 and has arms about 33 and a half. But with how strong he plays and just as a decent enough athlete, especially as a run blocker at that right tackle position, I mean, you can't you can't really ask for much more at, at that at that position at least. Yeah, man, Lael, um, he's he's technically disgusting to watch. Like as an offensive lineman, well, former offensive lineman, former offensive lineman coach, as an evaluator, his technique is ridiculous. I hate to look at it. Benny Hill music, right? But he's <laughs> so naturally strong. He's so naturally athletic. Once he gets those big hams that he call hands on you, right? Like once he grabs you, it's over with. But it's going to be ugly. He's going to get his hands to the outside a little bit. He doesn't give you a great punch. Um, he's working on his kick slide. It's a little better, but that still looked a bit funny. But he loves to wrestle. And if he can get his hands on the inside, you're gone. That's it. But he just has to get to the inside. And I think um, Lael at right tackle is a work in progress. Um, not only are you transitioning from guard, but you're transitioning from the left side. So now he has to get on a right-handed stance to the outside, right? If you're the left guard, you're responsible for, okay, my right foot to Travis Frederick, then my left foot to Tyron Smith. Now he's responsible for my left foot to Zach Martin and my right foot all the way to the damn sideline. So it's a lot more ground that he has to that he has to um, be accountable for, you know, the entire C gap. But he's slowly getting better at it. And he 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 got a hell of a test this year. Just guys, you know, guys that he has to run into. Uh, we just we just played JPP guys like Von Miller. Justin Houston's going to be over there. They got some guys in you know Seattle that can give him problems. Von Von Miller led on the year. Joey Bosa. He got some challenge. You know, so so you know, Leo, Leo, he he has a he has a full plate, but it's only gonna make him better. And if he can come back, uh, come uh, come back next year, walking away from those challenges, doing okay, like man, this offensive line, bro, like that's four first round talent, so to speak. Even though Leo didn't get drafted, that dude was gonna be a top uh, top fifteen, you know, pick whatever. He was the, he was the uh, best best lineman in that class or whatnot. So, um. Man, it's just it's just exciting to see all those all those um all those guys together. It's kind of like the Voltron robot, you know. <laughs> God, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, I know pretty much every single team wanted Lael Collins as an undrafted guy. You know, it, it's pretty much like you got an extra first round pick mm-hmm. when you when you get a guy like that. Are are they giving him much help this year? Are they just kind of saying, you know, we're throwing you in the deep end, let you let you sink or swim? Uh, you know, Jason Witten does go over there and chip every now and then. Zeke does keep his eye on that side, but he's been handling it by, um, by himself because he's so freaking strong and athletic that he gets it done. Like I said, it's ugly though because he's not a natural tackle. He doesn't have these long arms. He's he's not the best looking in space, but that dude can move quick and that dude is strong as an ox, man. Yeah. That dude, that dude can whoop a bear with a stick. Like he's he's that type of guy, and he's nasty. And if you put him out there, you may get him to start with. But like I said, he can recover. Lael can recover too because he's so powerful. You can't overpower that dude. So uh, they're gonna leave him out there. We're gonna see what happens. And it also helps that Prescott gets rid of the ball, you know, quickly. You know, he you know he doesn't like to hold on and take too many downfield throws. Like he takes them when he has to. But for the most part, you know, Prescott does a lot of surgery back there so we get rid of the ball quick so there's ways to help lay out you know you can scheme them you can throw chips in there you know zeke's back there there's a lot of ways you know to help him out 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I just – this last game, the Broncos pretty much saw the Chargers send double, triple teams at Von Miller and pretty much say anybody else but Von Miller beat us this game. And so I, I just thought this would be the one time where I could see maybe a team actually being okay leaving a right tackle alone against him for at least you know a good chunk of the game. And uh, I, I think this is going to be a great matchup and great opportunity for Von to really get tested. He's going to have to because we're going to run directly at him. You know, you know, like I said, um, you know, I don't think Von Miller wants to, you know, too much part in these big 300 pound tackles. And I think the coaching staff understands that because out of nowhere, I was watching film and man, Derek Wolf looked a little thicker. Um, you know, I don't know if they're just uh, force feeding him Twinkies or whatnot, but he looks a little bigger. Granted, he looks a lot less explosive. My bad. But um, he does look like a thicker defensive lineman to try to help, you know, get a little pressure off of uh, off of those uh, linebackers in that scheme. So, you know, or maybe just, you know, the coaches understand that, you know, Vaughn isn't necessarily the the game breaker that he is in the run game that he is in the, in the passing game. That was and that was definitely a, an emphasis for the Broncos this offseason was getting a lot bigger in the trenches, you know, both offensive line and defensive line. You know, Adam Gotsis, he added about 20 pounds. They brought in D'Amato Pecco. And that's about a 330 pound man in the middle. Zach Kerr, another 330 pound man, I guess. Jared Crick last year, he got down to like 275 playing on the interior and they bulked him up to about 290, 295. And yeah, Derek Wolf, he is bigger. He's around 300 from what I understand. So, you know, they they definitely tried to add a little bit more knowing that they're going to be going against a lot of running teams like the Cowboys and knowing if they are light like they were last year, it's not going to end pretty. You know, thankfully that first game, Broncos looked a lot better against the run. You know, they gave up that first, the very first carry. You know, I think every Bronco fan had to panic right then and there when they give up a 25-yard carry to start off the game. And then I think they only gave up like 40 rushing yards the entire rest of the game. So, if that. Was, yeah, if that. I don't think it was, you know, they. I think they gave up like two yards of carry after that first carry. So it was, it was nice to see that, but this will be a lot bigger test. I mean, Chargers offensive line, you're going from like maybe the 25th worst offensive line to the best offensive line. And there were some mistakes last week of, you know, our our new rookie, Demarcus Walker. He got caught inside big time and thankfully only gave up a 10-yard play. You know, Cowboys will make him pay even more. And, you know, if the Broncos are going to win this game, they have to step up even more than they did last week for sure. Yeah, and to be absolutely fair to Wolf, he was slipping all throughout the game, changed his cleats multiple times, and he is coming off a pretty serious ankle sprain. So hopefully... Hopefully that added weight won't zap him of his explosiveness too much, but that's something to watch going forward for sure. Cause I definitely watching him wasn't as impressed with him. I think I actually thought that Adam Gatsis was the most impressive defensive lineman that we had in the game against the Chargers. Yes. That's the Australian. Yeah. He's coming off second year off the ACL injury. And he was according to pro football focus, our highest graded or our second highest graded player on the entire team, just behind Von Miller. When do we let Australians start to play football, man? I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they love it over there man it, it's my uh my brother-in-law went and played a big football tournament over there he was picked out of high school as a tight end and man they they love their american football huh the more you know yeah you don't want to insult those aussie listeners man they're crazy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i think this will be a i mean obviously if the broncos can stop the run that's going to be the question mark of any team that goes against dallas this year but I'm also curious to see how they handle those edges. I mean, like you mentioned, Dallas is probably the best there is at running that zone stretch right now. And it's not only the zone stretch, but 
once that zone stretch is working, you got a very mobile, intelligent quarterback in Dak Prescott running those bootlegs where he can deliver some dimes on the run. I mean, it, as somebody who grew up watching John Elway, it makes my heart happy seeing somebody still running that zone stretch and that bootleg action off of it. So Broncos are going to have to bring it on, on the edge, not only in the interior, but on the edge as well, because Elliot has the vision where if you did what Demarcus Walker did last week and crash inside, he will pop it outside and he will be gone. That's a good thing about Elliot, man. Like he can, like he can run over you. He can run faster than you, and he has the vision to not be where you are. Like so, it's it's a lot of ways to try to attack this dude, man. But uh, it's just so special to see him play with those five offensive linemen. It's just, it's just, it's just fun to watch because the New York Giants, you know, their front seven, well, their front four. That's a, that's about as as good as it's gonna get, man. That's like those front four guys run stopping. Like, that's top-tier, high-quality H2O Bobby Boucher voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, but, and, and I think we handled that pretty well, you know, uh, 104 or so yards right there. So everything else is pretty much we, we just can't beat ourselves. Just don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Just show up and take care of business. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, just watching this game, uh, watching the Cowboy game just, just a little bit before, you know, starting this podcast, the way the Cowboys offense is, if you – get behind by a touchdown or more. I mean, this game set match because they are just going to run the ball and put the air out of it. So the Broncos have to, the Broncos have to not fall behind early. Otherwise this game is going to be over quickly. And that was one of my, one of my key points. Uh, Trevor Simeon looks very comfortable playing, playing with the lead. You know, he's, he, you know, I guess he feels better making, you know, making a mistake when you're up by a touchdown or two. But, you know, Dak is going to have to make Trevor Simeon play like a gangster. Okay, well, you score, I'm going to score with you. So every mistake that you make, you have to be accountable for it. And I think, um, I think if you make Trevor Simeon play some big boy football, that could work in Dallas's advantage. Yeah, that's very true. Trevor has not shown yet that he can carry the load. Denver did a very good job overall running the ball and getting that lead. So they could just, you know, 50, 50, you know, typical protect the rock uh, type of offense, especially in that fourth quarter where the game almost started to slip because they were a little bit too conservative, but playing from behind and playing catch up kind of like the, uh, that shootout, that 51 to 48 shootout between the Broncos and Cowboys a few years ago. That's something that I haven't seen from Simeon yet. Granted, he's still a young guy and has uh, plenty of time left to show that he can do that. But playing from behind and having to put up points when the other team has a chance to pull away, that's something that he might have to do this week, and it's not something I have seen from him yet. Oh, man. Oh, man. When you have a lead, man, Trevor Trevor rushes for extra yards. You know, he scrambles around a little bit. He tries to fit the ball in tight windows. But it's much, but when the game's closer, like it started to get closer, Trevor starts to think a little bit. Trevor starts to be a little more gun shy. And he'll uh, he'll 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 be more likely to to um, check down. Now, I, I, I know some football, but I'm not a football professional or whatever. If I know this, I know the Cowboys know this. So, Expect that situation. Also, something else I know is about Trevor Simeon. He loves to throw the ball over the middle. He's accurate throwing the ball over the middle. He's comfortable throwing the ball over the middle. You get the ball past those numbers, though, past the sticks outside the numbers, Trevor Simeon starts to get a little wonky out there. So expect the Cowboys to try to, uh, you know, show that a little bit, too. Which- Absolutely. And that brings us to a pretty good point here. Um, the Broncos wide receivers and Trevor Simeon versus the Cowboys secondary. 
Now, on paper, it looks like a matchup that the Broncos should win. You know, if you have the little check mark to which side is better in that regard, receivers match up decently well against the young cornerbacks of the Cowboys. I mean, I, I love Jadobia Wuzier. Was a big fan of Jordan Lewis, too. You know, just he's a pest. Not the best athlete, not the biggest guy, but just a pest. You know, you like those guys in the secondary. They're missing some pieces, and such as Carr, Claiborne, and Church. But I think that this is a young unit that definitely has its brightest days ahead of it. But Sanders and DT should be able to win some matchups, especially if they're given a chance to go one-on-one. I totally agree. Um, but the big stat to look for with the Cowboys in the past past couple of years is uh, points against. Um, we don't give up a lot of touchdowns. We don't give up a lot of big plays. We will bend our ass off, but when we get to the red zone, we just turn into a different type of defense. Uh, Rod, Rod Marinelli, he's a level 80 wizard. He's, uh, he's, he has all max all max stats and magic. He just takes these these guys and these no-name guys and put them together, and he somehow makes this formidable defense. Well, his formula is he mixes it up nice. He doesn't put his guys in bad situations, and he you know, we clog and cover. We'll play back. We'll let you make your little completions. We're not going to give up big plays, but when we get to the red zone, you you know if 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 we're playing cover three or four, and there's eighty or so yards, you know that's a lot of room to work with. But when we start to play that zone in the you know the red zone is inside the twenty, and there's not a lot of space to throw. Then we're we're good at breaking on passes. We're good at being aggressive in that way. We're good at coming up to tackle. So when we have a rookie like Chadobia Wuzier, well, how is he going to cover Emmanuel Sanders? Well, he's not really going to cover Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to cover that space, and when Emmanuel makes the catch, he's going to come up and tackle him. And Chadobia is a maniac, and he's built like a warrior. So, you know, he's not a small dude. He's going to come up and tackle the hell out of people. So um, I expect those guys to get completions. They're going to get yards, but when it comes to points, I expect your kicker to be really busy this week. And, he, you know, he I think he just got paid recently. So uh, he's going to earn his money this week. Well, that's good for my fantasy teams. But <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want us in the end zone as much as possible. That was something that the Broncos offense struggled with mightily last year. They just stalled out in the red zone. It's a, it's a symptom of Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison, it seems, because everywhere they went, the team could move the ball between the 20s. But once it got in the red zone, it just died. But that's something that last week, the Broncos were awesome in the red zone. I mean, they were a challenge away from going four for four with touchdowns in the red zone. Jamal Charles, I believe, broke the plane on that uh, that carry that he had that he didn't challenge. They should have looking back. But that's definitely going to be a matchup going forward. I am really curious, though, what you think about uh, Skandrick and Carroll as the one and two corners. Will those be the main two guys lining up over Demarius Thomas and Sanders, or will we see more of the rookies out there? They're not. It's... um. It's politics uh, why we mentioned Nolan Nolan Carroll amongst the first guys, whatever. Nolan Carroll is actually our – he's in our second unit of corners. The Our main primary corner is a cat that was a rookie last year, fifth-round pick from Purdue, Anthony Brown. Um, when uh, Morris Claiborne got hurt – let me just say this. Let me just click my pen, and put it down, slam it, and say this. Um, when people say, oh, what are the Cowboys going to do in the secondary? Well, they they lost Morris Claiborne. They they lost Brandon Carr. Well, for the past six years, when we had Morris Claiborne and Brandon Carr, you were trying to get rid of them. Now, all of a sudden, when we don't have them anymore, they're these these irreplaceable players. Oh no, y'all got rid of JJ Wilcox. What are you gonna do? Shut up. Uh, Barry Church was very valuable, yes, but he's a strong safety that played the box. Didn't have too much range. You can replace those 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 kind of players. Okay, so. 
Broncos fans, salute to y'all. I'm not fussing at y'all, but when you're arguing with your with your Cowboys fans, I want you to put your <laughs> thinking caps on and don't make the argument that the Cowboys defense is going to be worse because Morris Claiborne is not playing. Listen to what you say before you say it. With that being said, Claiborne missed about nine games last year, and that was his rookie, fifth-round rookie from Purdue, Anthony Brown. He stepped in last year, and he played some damn good snaps, and he seems to be our diamond-in-the-rough type of guy. Now, you want to say the the right things as far as, well, Nolan Carroll and Orlando Skandrick, our veterans are going to, okay, cool, you can do the little veteran talk if you want to but these rookies these young guys Anthony Anthony Brown which he's proven that he can play last year he's going to come back he actually had the uh, game winning interception or the daggering interception um, last week um, he caught uh, versus uh, Sterling Shepard so yes he did you so you may have seen seen that yes. play. And on the other side, Awuzie is probably gonna be playing one of those dudes, or Jordan Lewis is 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 uh gonna be involved somehow. And if we do happen to um put Nolan Carroll on one of the uh the uh wide receivers, Byron Jones is gonna be right behind him. We're not just gonna trust Nolan Carroll with Emmanuel Sanders or uh or uh Demarius Thomas by himself. There's gonna be help. So don't just think that everything happens on this this one-on-one island type of situation. Football is all about scenarios, man. So when y'all when y'all do your pro Bronco anti Cowboys talk, just put your thinking caps on before you speak because a lot of stuff got to happen. Uh, Trevor Simeon has to have time. Trevor Simeon has has to make the throw. They have to catch it. They gotta they gotta beat RDB. It's a lot of stuff that got to happen, man. So that's my mini rant. Absolutely, yeah. Because I didn't cuss, but it's my mini. Rant. You have to understand, for us Bronco fans, we're used to having so many of those one-on-one matchups because we play so much more man than any other team in the NFL. And so we're always looking at, you know, this guy against this guy, this guy against this guy. And so then we get against teams that play more zone or matchup scenario kind of things. You know, it's kind of a, it's a foreign concept to a lot of Bronco fans for, for these last few years, for sure. I don't think y'all heard me when I said Rod Marinelli is a level 80 wizard. And when you, (laughs) and when you become level 80, that covers mastery of all wizardry. So he'll figure it out, man. Don't trip. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the, that's an area where if the Broncos are going to win this game, they're going to have to win that matchup. It's that simple. Fool so, for, for thought with Cowboys defense. One last point. I'm going to let you go back. Uh, last year, Cowboys gave up. There were no 100-yard receivers versus the Cowboys defense last year. And there was one 100-yard rusher, and that was Le'Veon Bell. Just to give you a little idea of how Rod Marinelli's wizardry works. And don't sleep on Sean Lee and Jalen Smith. Oh, my God. Are we going to talk about those guys? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I watched the game, and that was honestly my biggest takeaway. Well, one of my biggest takeaways. But before we get to that, we, uh, we still have a lot to get to, but we want to once again thank our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any of your hard-earned cash. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and best of all, totally free, 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contest, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. MyBookie.net is completely free that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling or a play-for-money site. 
It's a free wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contest in fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams by increasing the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users. And we say thank you once again to MyBookie.net for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. All right, well, easy transition there for me, which I absolutely was excited to talk about, was Sean Lee and Jalen Smith, the... uh, the Broncos offensive line versus the Cowboys front seven. And my gosh, Sean Lee, when that guy is healthy, he is a top five, top three off-ball linebacker. There's no doubt about it. He is sneaky, sneakily athletic. You know, you don't people don't t- put him up there with the freak athletes at linebacker position, but he moves as well as any linebacker off the ball. And I hardly ever see him take a false step. I mean, whether it be coming down, crashing between the tackles, chasing down a guy outside the tackles, or covering a guy in zone. I mean, I saw him, I think he had two pass breakups, and those were some pretty challenging pass breakups uh, in the game against the Giants. So I got nothing but love for Sean Lee. And Jalen Smith, I mean, what a story. You feel horrible for the guy, you know, tore his multiple ligaments. Was it the MCL and the ACL? ACL, I believe it was. ACL, nerve damage, drop foot, all that. All of it, yeah. Absolutely just worst-case scenario in the bowl game in 2016 against the Ohio State Buckeyes, against Ezekiel Elliott, where he went off against the Buckeyes after Smith went down. And some people thought he'd never play again. He was having issues lifting up his foot and just everything. And what what a great first game for Jalen Smith. Uh, he was all around, especially in the run defense. I mean, he came up, he was making a lot of tackles. I believe he had uh, seven tackles. And just great filling the gaps and very smart. I mean, you can see that he is a very heady player, a good film, uh, film it analysis type. So Broncos run game, are they're going to have some issues against those two off ball linebackers. And I do want to say, I'm very sorry about it. The Anthony Hitchens in- injury, because anytime a Hawkeye goes down, I-, I weep a little bit. Well, that'll be the, uh, Cowboys wet dream, man. And, you know, Anthony Hitchens is so versatile that I think his best position is will linebacker, but Sean Lee's got to play will. So we put him in Mike and Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Um, He plays well there, but Jalen kind of got to play Mike, so we ended up putting him at Sam, and he was damn good at Sam for a little bit. But um, he, he, you know, he laid down with the injury, but we'll have him back in seven or so weeks. So if we can get those three guys... um, you know, towards the end of the season, playoff type of situation. Oh man, look out for us! Um, as far as the um, as far as the uh, D line goes, you know we're we're not a bunch of big name superstar guys, but we got guys that work hard. We got guys that that get up the field, and we have guys that fit Rob Marinelli and what the hell he wants. Like I'm so excited about what this linebacker what this linebacker core can do. Uh, I'm excited about what uh, Malik Collins, our three tech, can do. Uh, Stephen Paella, he's a um, he's a Chicago Bear, but Rob Marinelli knows everything there is to know about Stephen Paella, so uh, he played valuable minutes for us. And Demarcus Lawrence got two sacks. Uh, last week and um he's finally healthy so and he's gotten bigger too because NFL strength and conditioning is real. Um so 
I mean, we don't have anybody that you would know. We don't have a Von Miller, but you know, like if Von Miller can get 16 sacks and we got like five guys that get 16 sacks, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it all adds up eventually. I was extremely impressed with Demarcus Lawrence's play. I mean, he's, what is he now? 6'3", 270. And not only did he have those two sacks last week, but he had a couple of plays where he literally decleated that poor right tackle for the Giants and came up and made the tackle on the running back, whether it would be a running play or a screen play. And I don't know if you watched the Broncos game last week in preparation for this, but our right tackle struggled immensely. Menelik Watson, he allowed six pressures, including four sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, and a team as a whole gave up five sacks. So just not a great game for Menelik Watson. And watching Demarcus Lawrence just destroy that right tackle for the Giants really sent a shiver down my spine because that's that's the area where if you know you're going to have a game-changing defensive play, you know, a strip sack kind of thing. I think it's going to come with Demarcus Lawrence lined up against the right tackle, Menelik Watson. Funny story on um, Lawrence's first sack, it was just Malik whooped the right guard so bad that he whooped the right tackle as well, and Demarcus Lawrence just kind of ran free. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Collins, correct, from Nebraska? Yes, sir, from Nebraska. Yeah, good player. Yeah, the Broncos offensive line, though, overall looks improved. Uh, they looked improved against the Chargers. Surprisingly, that's a pretty good defensive line. Probably the, for my money, the second best edge rushing duo in the NFL behind the Texans. Uh, Garrett Bowles had a great game. Props to you. Last time we had on had you on here, you're saying Garrett Bowles, offensive tackle number one. You're fine if he's not doesn't make it at left, put him at right. But he's offensive tackle one, and we're hoping you're right there. He had a, a great game, a graded positively, 95.3 pass blocking efficiency, only one sack and one hurry, and a 79.5 run blocking. So going up against Ingram and Bosa, who they rotate back and forth pretty frequently, that's a pretty good pretty good game for the rookie offensive tackle. Uh, Leary had a great game before he went out for the concussion. Luckily, Bronco fans, the uh, he passed phase one of the concussion protocol, so he is on track to play Sunday. You know Whether or not that happens remains to be seen, but he is on track, so fingers crossed there. Zero pressures and 20 pass blocking opportunities and had a very high grade in the running game as well. So it would be a big loss if we lost him, especially for that motivating factor of going up against his former teammates. Uh, Garcia and Barber for left guard had a solid game. They each gave up two pressures. Um, that's definitely the left guard and right tackles the weak spot on the Broncos offensive line. I would argue those are probably the, the least two important positions on the offensive line. Granted, you need a strong unit across the way, and it depends on the matchup, who you're going against and everything. But I'd rather have a great right guard center and left tackle if I'm building a roster. And center Matt Paradis, he looks solid. I mean, he was the number one rated center, according to Pro Football Focus, last year. For my money, I'm taking uh, Frederick. But, you know, that's just me. Sorry, Bronco fans. Uh, He graded 82.2 overall, fourth best among centers last week. Uh, One QB hurry, 74.4 pass block grade, and an 81.9 run blocking grade. Does a great job of getting to the second level and just being a – just arriving in control and hitting those guys in the second level, whether it be poles or driving off. A tidbit for uh, Garrett Bowles moving um, forward, just so you guys keep some eyes on him while he's uh, while he's playing, even when he goes against you know linemen that are better than him, because I I think it's fair to say that you know that Joey Bosa and um, Ingram are technically better than him what saves Garrett Bowles in these exchanges is that he's tough and he's physical and he likes to wrestle and he doesn't quit so um that that helps you know that helps him finish his block so when he you know the the more he learns how to play offensive line and he's going to get stronger he's going to get stronger trust me um and he keeps that nasty wrestle like to whoop you thing going uh Bowles could be special I liked him coming out I like him still 
we're going to need them to be special on on Sunday for sure. Because uh, yeah, I don't know against these these two linebackers. I agree, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. They're quickly becoming the probably best combo line off ball linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Seattle. I guess could make an argument for their group, but I don't know. These two, I think, can really pass them pretty quick. So yeah, our, our offensive line—they're gonna have to—they're gonna have to do better than they did this last week. You know, sure. the Chargers have a decent front seven. I mean, they have the two outside rushers that are just dominant beyond belief. They have a couple other guys uh, that are, are pretty solid, but I don't know. I, I agree. I, I've, I've watched a little bit of this Cowboys game from this last week, and as a unit. It's amazing how well they play together, and and you hit you hit on it. Their coaching is is amazing. puts them in great position to make plays, and and just shows the importance of of coaching for an entire game. You know that that you put people in the right position to make plays. You know you put them towards their strengths, not their weaknesses. And so Broncos on offense, they have to they have to come out play a great game because you know the. You know, we, we have a great defense, but you know the Cowboys are still going to do something. You know, you got to put some pressure on that offense. You got to force them to have to try to throw a little bit, and and really put the ball in in Dak's hand instead of of Elliott's hands. And 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 Dak, I, I've seen him come back before, so I mean that's not great hands to have the ball in either. But yeah, it's it's going to be a great matchup. I, I like these front seven matchups on both sides. Sean Lee is just so football smart, man. Like you can tell how much he studies. He, he just is, is, is he knows what you're going to do before you do it. And Jalen Smith, he's not as football smart as Sean Lee. Now, Jalen Smith is football smart, high IQ. But Sean Lee is like professor smart. Right. And Sean and like it's like Sean Lee's smarts get him there. But Jalen Smith's freak athleticism gets him there. You know what I'm saying? So when Jalen can get his IQ side up, because Sean Lee's 31, he's not going to get any faster than he is now. When Jalen Smith can get his IQ up to where Sean's is, uh, that, that you know, that, that could possibly be one of the best Cowboys draft classes ever. Zeke one, Jalen Smith two, uh, Malik Collins, Charles Tapper, Dak Prescott. Uh, Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown. Yeah, right, right, right. Good job, Anthony. Anthony Brown, that's a hell of a draft class, man. And um, that's some cornerstone pieces at each part of the team. So salute to the Cowboys for uh taking the you know, taking the power out of Jerry Jones's hand and um letting young young Steven take over. Yeah, and personally I'm wishing that you guys would have traded up and taken Paxton Lynch because Dak Prescott would be a Bronco right now and he was one of my boys in the draft, so what might have been? <laughs> Why would we do that? Dak Prescott's better than Paxton Lynch. We weren't going to trade up anyway. That was propaganda. Don't listen to the machine. Oh, man. That's not. Uh, you know, uh, Dak Prescott was in the senior bowl. The Cowboys coached the senior bowl. So they're very close to uh, Dak. And they knew that Dak was going to fall. Now, granted, they wanted Connor Cook. They wanted Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch be- before Dak Prescott. But uh, everything happens for a reason, man. Yeah. Well, we have one more key matchup that we wanted to hit on before we moved on to our X-Factors for this game, and that is the, honestly, the interior weapons for the the Cowboys versus the Broncos linebackers. If there is any unit on the Broncos defense that is vulnerable, it is the off-ball linebackers. Brandon Marshall is still a top 10, top 15 level off-ball linebacker in the NFL, but he hasn't looked the same since Danny Trevathan left him, his uh, counterpart left for the Bears two off seasons ago now. And Todd Davis, while he is solid in the run game, he is exposed pretty frequently in the past game. You know, he can pick the wrong gap and he's just not athletic enough to correct for that mistake. If he guesses wrong or he reads it wrong. And especially, I mean, again, 
in pass coverage, he is, leaves a lot to be desired. One of the Broncos, I believe it was the only first half touchdown last week, came in Todd Davis with Todd Davis in coverage against the uh, Chargers running back, Melvin Gordon. So if there is a way to attack this Broncos defense without, you know, besides obviously running the ball, granted the running defense looks better this year, but if there's a way still to beat this team from what I've seen in preseason and in the first week, it is isolating these linebackers in coverage against tight ends and running backs because they just are not to the same level as they were in that 2015 defense. And it's just a little bit weaker in that regard. You're not going to want to test the cornerbacks as much. They are a good unit. I mean, obviously Dez is a great player. He's still going to get his, but if I am attacking this Broncos defense through the air, it's going to be isolating those linebackers. Let's see how, how thorough you were with your film study. Make me proud. Remember last week, Cowboys played against the Giants. You know, the Giants linebackers aren't that aren't that great neither. Uh the Cowboys went empty a lot. And Zeke lined up at one of those uh at one of those slot guys. And we had Witten over there at the Y. We kind of displaced him a little bit. But he was out there at the Y. Beasley at the slot. Uh Terrence or Bryce was outside and Des Brown was at the other outside. And what that does is it opens up the box. Not only does it isolate the the one-on-one match um matchups, but it opens up the box. So one or two things are gonna happen. We're either gonna have Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, Ryan Switzer, or Zeke Elliott on one of your linebackers playing mismatches or whatever but once those guys spread out the box is five on five you see what i'm saying so when you that can run and that can run right and and i'll take that offensive lineman that that offensive line versus any five guys you can put together with Dak prescott running the football so expect to see a lot of empty from the from the um cowboys offense they're gonna uh they're gonna try to feed beasley they're gonna try to throw the ball to zeke Witten's gonna eat a little bit and Dak is gonna run out of the empty formation did you see that last week yes i did and that was something that i was concerned about immediately due to that and also seeing elliott lined up as the wide receiver I didn't. I don't really remember him doing that so much at Ohio State. You know, I've never. He's not the Le'Veon level, David Johnson level. You know, in terms of running out and being a wide receiver, I think he can be. They just haven't really used him that way yet. He is, you know, savvy enough as an athlete, especially with that balance and agility, where he has the traits to be a good receiving back, especially like you know one of those hybrids that could honestly play wide receiver. And that's something that I think if I was attacking this Broncos defense, I would have. When you're not running the ball, obviously. I would have Elliott in motion and get that isolated matchup one-on-one in the slot. And if you get Elliott in the ball with, with the ball in space against one of these linebackers, I mean, it's, it's good night. He could go 80 yards easy. Absolutely. Good job. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> I got to touch on, got to touch on Jason Witten as well. Future hall of famer. Congrats on him last week, becoming the Dallas all-time leader in receiving yards. I mean, that's, that's a attribute to his longevity, man. He has been great from the start. Six, six, two sixty. And great blocker. He's always been a great blocker. He's never really had getaway speed. He's not really an incredible scene threat. But in terms of the third down uh, ability as a target magnet and a red zone weapon with hands like fly traps and just being savvy, he is still one of the best in the league in that regard. And I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a first ballot with Gates and Gonzalez and Witten. I think you, you definitely have strong argument for those guys. The type of quarterback that Dak Prescott is that he he does surgery. He's not the super gunslingy guy. He's the precision, find the open guy, get the ball there guy. And Jason Witten is the type of receiver that fits Dak perfectly. You know, Jason isn't the the yak threat he used to be, but you don't see Jason Witten, you know, you, you never see Jason Witten drop passes. And that's the important part. Like, that can get the ball to Witten in traffic, and Witten can, can can secure the catch for three or four yards. Now, he won't get anywhere 
and Witten knows that these days. Like he'll catch the ball and just hang on or fall down or something like that. But um, he won't drop the football. So that's a guaranteed three or four yards. That's dangerous in the um, you know, like third down plays, you know, fourth and short things like that. So. Well, that will cover our main matchups that we've written down. Do you have any uh, particular matchups you are interested in? We didn't really talk too much about Dak versus the Broncos secondary or Dez versus the Broncos corners. Those corners are going to have to tackle. There's no way around it. They're going to have to deal with Zeke. It just is what it is. If you want to if you wanna be a successful defense against the, the Dallas Cowboys, everybody got to come tackle. Um and, you know, if if uh, Tlaib ends up playing on Dez, a lot of stuff can happen there, man. I think both those guys have the ability to to frustrate each other because they play so physically. Uh, Tlaib plays so close that he gets away with holding a lot. <laughs> but if he doesn't, if, if you know, if that doesn't work and his, you know, and his initial man coverage doesn't work, he can give up a lot of big plays just playing so close to the guy. So, you know, look out for that. As far as everything else go, I think we're going to be just, you know, taking the shots that we're given, playing matchups, you know. Like when you watch, uh, when you watch uh, Phillip Rivers, right? When, when Phillip Rivers last week, when he actually – ran the offense when he started to do surgery, when he took the open plays, you know, the charges were, were able to move the ball on Denver and score touchdowns. But when Phillip Rivers early in the game, when he was a gangster and he was making the big throws, he was trying to hit the hit, hit deep passes. That's what the Broncos want you to do. They want you to hold the ball long so you can get sacked. They want you to throw the ball deep because they have a great secondary. Do your surgery, you know, find the open guy, get the ball to him, fight the next down. And I think um, that's something that, Dak is going to have to do and uh, just take what's given to him. It's going to be frustrating because uh, the Broncos defense and the Giants defense are eerily similar. You can't hold the ball too long and um, and they, they, they will give you fits as far as trying to find wide receiver separation. Run the ball, take your open passes and make the other quarterback you know play football. Yeah, one thing I did notice about Dak when I was doing the just one game sample size, but he did have a tendency. I think there was two or three passes where he just missed high. Is that something that has been a problem with him last year? Because there was that slant where Dez beat Jenkins on the inside. There's no doubt about it. He beat him on the goal line and Dak threw it high. And there was another one, I believe it was to Beasley, and he just overthrew it and almost was an interception. Is that something that's in Athena, just a little bit of overthrowing in time to time, lofting a little bit too much. Dak's policy is I, I would rather overthrow it than throw it to the defense. <laughs> so so if he overthrew something, it was far away from where, you know, the guys in the opposite jersey could catch it. And yes, he kind of overthrew Dez, but you don't want to underthrow Dez and yeah. the and the DB have a chance to to go get it. You know, um, so that will happen. And and you know, he's a he's he's human. Some passes will get away from him. You know, that just is what it is. That's that's gonna happen for the most part. And, and then look, man, that's a that's a good defense. The yeah. Giants is a good defense, and the, and the Broncos have a good one, too. So when we play a regular team that doesn't have a super defense, I mean, we'll see. I expect some errant throws this week, but, I, you know, I don't expect Dak to, you know, turn the football over. Okay, one more question about the matchups. You are the Broncos defensive coordinator for this week. What is the one point that you are driving home, one tactic, one point that – you think could be the difference in the game. And if the Broncos do this, they will win. I don't want to be 
you know, super cliche guy, but we just can't let Zeke go clean off because if Zeke can establish the run game dominantly, you know, play action is there. And you want to know, <laughs> you want to know another way to stop pass rushing and Von Miller? Play action. You want to know a good way to beat some of the best DBs in the league? Play action. Make them look for Zeke. And like I said, you know, the cornerbacks are going to have to tackle. So if you're a cornerback and your eyes are on Zeke the whole time because he could be getting the football, that can, that, that can be an advantage for uh, for our receivers. So you want to you wanna force feed Twinkies to your D linemen to make them more stout to make it harder to run against them. Hey, man, that let's see if that works because you're going to have to stop the run. Well, that's good news for the Broncos D-line or you know, we're going to need all hands on deck and Kerr and Crick are reportedly to be on schedule to be back. So that's two more big bodies. And Wolf, again, another week off that ankle sprain that was pretty serious. He had to be carted off and practice with it. So, I mean, hopefully not, not for your sake, Vach, but for our sake, hopefully the D line uh, comes to play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and move on to our, our next section here. And that is called the, the X factor section. And, and last week, Nick and I had a couple of players that we picked. I picked Justin Simmons and he picked Trevor Simeon. And honestly, both of our guys showed up. That was, uh, so I'm kind of hoping that our guys show up that we picked this week too. But last week I picked Justin Simmons. Like I said, I, I was very impressed for a guy that's replacing a, a pro bowl safety and TJ Ward. I thought he did a tremendous job. Uh, you were talking there, Vach, about not having to miss tackles. He had the second highest run stop percentage of any safety in week one. I mean, that's a, a very small sample size. Didn't miss a single tackle. And there was a lot of plays where he was that last line of defense. And he was the guy that stepped up and, and made a very, very nice tackle. He's not a big hitter, but he's a very nice form tackler. Hmm. And then another thing that I saw was that a, he didn't have a single pass attempted against him. You know, one of the, the biggest issues the Broncos have had over the last, I don't even know how many years has been tight ends have destroyed them. And this last game against the Chargers, when they have Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, two very, very good tight ends, we didn't even hear their name until the fourth quarter. And so very, very impressed. Had a couple communication errors. But, yeah, loved loved the work that he brought. And, Nick, you with Trevor Simeon, you know, you and I have both had our concerns about him. Not that he completely erased every single one of them, but he came out, played a pretty good game there. Yeah, he did. I mean, they didn't ask him to do too much. I think that's the thing. Botch touched on it as well. The Broncos got the lead, and then you just got to play game manager, control it, and not make the big mistake. 17 for 28, 60% passing, which is that big, important cutoff number. Two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and an interception that was a little bit controversial. Uh, my main thing with him that I wanted to see was better pocket movement, and he did do that and didn't do that. Uh, he moved around, and especially that first touchdown that he threw where he was rolling to the right and threw it off his back foot to Fowler. I mean, that was honestly my favorite touchdown of his career so far because he had everything going, but that said, he did do some issues with himself in the pocket. Uh, he was sacked four times. Granted Watson was getting beat like a drum on the right side, but especially that, that drive where McManus missed that field goal, he ran himself into a couple sacks where he should have gotten rid of the ball just to make sure that you came over three points and they lost about was it, 16, 17 yards. And that was the difference in the missed kick. So Simeon, you know, I give him a, a B plus on his performance last week. Also coming in line with he, his, uh, the Broncos playing with a lead and able to run the ball effectively. 29.7% of his passes were off the play action. So last season it was only 17.7. So if the Broncos are behind, 
say goodbye to that play action being as effective. And I'm a little bit more worried about that against the Cowboys front than the Chargers because the Cowboys defensive line is pretty big. I mean, Tyron Crawford is the edge on that side. And what is he about 290? He's a big, he's a big edge. He's almost like a five technique. And then you got Lee and Smith coming downhill. So this week, but last week he passed with flying colors in my opinion. All right. Well, moving on to this week, I am going to go with Bradley Roby. And a big part of this is he didn't have that great first game. I mean, it was kind of one of those, he either made the big play that really had you cheering or the big play that made you want to pull out your hair. You know, he had his, his, I don't know, was it three defensive pass interference calls against him? Two or three, but I mean, they were like 30, 40 yard penalties kind of things. I mean, they, they were big time penalties that really set up a couple touchdowns for the chargers. And, you know, like I said, he had that great, that great interception, you know, he's that athletic player that can go make a play anywhere. And I love that the Broncos trust him. You know, they, they have two all pro cornerbacks and I seem to see a lot in this last game where they, the chargers work to isolate Allen on him and the Broncos didn't seem to really be scared of that. You know, they, they trust Roby to go against the top wide receiver on an opposing team. And of course we got this week, Des Bryant, very, very good wide receiver, you know, top 10 when he's healthy. And my guess is the Cowboys will work to isolate Allen on, or not Allen, uh, Des on Roby. And so he has to have that big game because you know that, that Dak, he's going to look for Des. He's going to give him some opportunities to go make a play. And, and even when he's covered, there's going to be some times where he's probably going to try to throw it up to, to Des Bryant a little bit. Bradley Roby, he's got to have a better game or at least a more consistent game. You know, like I said, he had some great plays. His one pass breakup, it was a perfect throw in football. I, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that of, of, you know, Bradley Roby kind of playing that trail position and he just throws his hand up as soon as he sees the wide receiver's hands go up and just happens to knock the ball away. I mean, that, that was a great play, very heads up play. And that's the quality that we just need to see play in, play out. That's, that's the difference between Bradley Roby and Aqib Tlaib. You know, Aqib Tlaib, he shows up play in, play out to be an all pro cornerback. Bradley Roby shows that about 75% of the time. So I, I just want to see that more consistency because he's that guy that I think could be a real star in the making. And he just has that potential. And I just want to see it actually come to, to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. He is one of those cornerbacks where you're either cheering, standing up, or you're yelling at the TV. It's boomer bust, it seems like. And he's going to have to clean that up if he's going to earn top dollar. He's coming up on that fifth-year option. I would be shocked if the Broncos didn't keep that fifth-year option on him. But then he's going to hit the market and – We'll be interested to see if the what the Broncos do. Are they going to pay three cornerbacks that much money? I'm, I'm not sure. So that'll be interesting. But he's going to have to play better to earn as much money as he can. For me, my X factor is none other than Adam Gatsis. Uh, only played 31 defensive snaps last week. But, I mean, he was – it was the best game of his career so far. Uh, he finished the game with an 84.2 overall grade. And his run defense grade was 88.1 last week. Uh, his 36.4 run stop percentage, I believe, was top four of all interior defensive linemen last week. Also, he still has some work to do. Um, technically, you know, sometimes he doesn't use his hands the best to get off blocks. Like sometimes he'll stand straight up into a blocker's chest instead of using violent hands to get off. When you're watching him uh, next to Derek Wolf, it's pretty obvious when you see Wolf rip a guy's hands off and then Gatsis go right into his chest. But I think Gatsis earned himself more playing time and with the uncertainty, you know, the amount of reps that Kerr and Crick can get and with how good against the run Gatsis looked, he's a guy that I would be playing a lot uh, because he looked better against the run than Shelby Harris did, in my opinion, and is potentially going to be that starter opposite Wolf. And 
if he steps up and is able to take on the weakest length of the Cowboys offensive line, which is, you know, that's not saying much. And, but in Chaz Green in the left guard, that could make a big difference for how the Broncos handle the run def- or the uh, Cowboys run offense this game. Is it okay if I pick a Cowboy or do I have to pick a Bronco? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely fine. My guy is punter Chris Jones. And, and let me explain. Um, if you uh, if you had your film cap on last week watching the Cowboys versus the Giants, um, the Giants had to start most of their drives within the 10-yard line. Chris Jones pinned those guys within the 10 a lot. And it's harder for an offense to move when they got to go. It's, it's harder for them to score when they got to move 90 yards. You know, football is a game of field, of field position, hitting yards, things like that. If you start on the 50, you know, think about your percentages. You can possibly put it in the end zone. You're close to field goal range there. But if you have to start inside the 10 every time, and I think Trevor Simeon is the type of quarterback to where if you put 90 yards in front of him, We'll see what happens. I don't, I, you know, he he may look down the down the barrel of that gun, and he may not have the the quarterbackness. I'm making up words right now. He may not have the quarterbackness to you know stay calm after uh, his sixth time being pinned inside the the ten uh, yard line, having to having to drive so much. So Chris Jones was was a very important part of what the Cowboys did last year on defense, and um, you know the even though the defense played well. You know, Eli Manning is uh, much worse when he has to travel a long way to get to the end zone. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. Yes. Very surprising. Not very often you hear somebody pick a punter. And I'm winging it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, well, let's move on to our, our last section here. And that's kind of what, what we're going to be watching for in this game. And last week, you know, every year, every team goes into the season with some question marks and things that you just kind of want to see. Is this improved? You know, is this the same? Is it worse? Whatever it is. And and Nick, last week you picked to stop the run. And for the most part, Broncos showed a very much improved run defense. Like I said, after the first carry held Melvin Gordon and their other running backs to two yards a carry. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. And uh, it's just something that they have to continue to grow on. And for me, I picked third down conversion. I almost went red zone. Because we were terrible at that. We were, you know, I, it was just downright terrible last year. But some of that is we just couldn't even get into the the, the red zone. And, you know, we had, I think, what was it? Were we the worst in the NFL in three and outs? Yeah, we were. And we were 31st in the NFL in third down conversion last year. And this year, first game, you know, you have to remember with football, this is the hard part with stats is you have such a small sample size. Things can jump like crazy. You know, you can have a quarterback that, you know, you can have Sam Bradford look like he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. You know, if that's all you had to go off was week one, you might be saying that or Alex Smith or, you know, just some crazy names out there. Anyway, week one, thankfully the Broncos stepped up. They were tied with Dallas for fifth best in the NFL with 53% conversion rate compared to 34% last year. So very, very impressive. You know, one of my things that I just, I walked away, especially with Trevor Simeon. You know, last year, how many times did he throw short on a third down play? You know, you needed five yards. He threw it for three yards and it just drove me up a wall. And this year he was aggressive. Wide receivers were making catches. Tight ends were making catches. It was like I said, I was just impressed with the offense. It it was a lot better than I've seen in the past for sure. But Nick, what's your what to watch for this week? 
My what to watch for, which we touched on a little bit, but it is the Broncos edge players, whether that be as a pass rusher or edge defense. Like we talked about with that bootleg and that zone stretch, the edge rushers are going to be stressed heavily in this game to not only you know get after the quarterback, but set the edge. Demarcus Walker stunk with it last week. He struggled with it in college as well. Shaquille Barrett, a very good job. Honestly, he was one of the better players on the Broncos defense last week. He's a name that not many in the national media know about, but he is probably our un- most underrated player. And I honestly think he's a better edge rusher, a better overall edge player than Shane Ray. Personal preference. I like the guy that can set the edge. And Dak Prescott, you know, granted, this is obviously a byproduct of an incredible offensive line and being able to run the ball. But last season, his average time to throw was 2.88 seconds, which was tied for the third longest in the NFL. So he is going to hold the ball. And if the Broncos are going to win this game, they're going to have to create some pressure on Dak. He can't just sit back there and be that game manager and just find that wide open guy. Otherwise, he's going to pick you apart. I mean, he's accurate enough and he's smart enough that he's going to take what you give him when he has time to do it. So Von, I don't, you know, speaking with Vach here, I'm not sure if he's going to get double team, triple teamed. I mean, when you have a guy like Witten and you have a back like Elliot, you know, you have those options to adjust based on how the game is going, but to be able to get home at least somewhat and they have to set the edge in that run defense. Otherwise this could be a game that snowballs quickly for the defense, especially if the offense is having to play catch up consistently. Yeah, man, Dak and Zeke are, um, they're going to be the ones that, you know, got to, got to put the mayonnaise on a sandwich, so to speak. Um, we know Zeke is going to run the ball. We know Zeke is going to be effective, but at some point the Broncos are going to make an adjustment at that point. When the Broncos make the adjustment, will Dak, be able to, you know, keep things consistent passing the football? Will he be able to find receivers and throw them open and make the right plays on time? You know, things like that. So um, I'm expecting big things from Dak. And if we can somehow beat this Broncos defense, you know, you, you, you feel much better about all the teams to come. You know, if you can if you can put points on the Broncos, put points on the Giants, uh, you feel a lot better in those Packers matchups. You know, when you when that defense isn't as good or, or you know, the the Falcons matchups or the Chiefs, because they're the new team on the block that people have faith in. So um, also that offensive line, man, I need to I need to, you know. I know Tyron's good. I know Zach's good. I know Travis is good. Um, But if you're Leo Collins and you can block um, Von Miller, I know you can block Justin Houston and Joey Bosa. Um, Chaz Green, you're the weak link, but you're a strong weak link. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? So uh, I want to see, can he, you know, can he continue to play? You know, just, let this offense be the be the thing that drives this um, drives this this football team, and can the defense be uh, as dominant as they were last year? I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of things I want to see, man. But uh, hey, man, football is back. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, mine. I'm going to go with the Broncos' third receiving option, and you know I, I've harped on this all off season just because this was one of the weaker links on the entire team last year. You know, a lot of people want to hit on how Simeon played or Lynch played or the offensive line blocked or anything like that. But for me, that third receiving option was such a missing piece from last year. And first game against the Chargers, the tight ends, and I'm going to throw Fowler in there as well because he's that third receiving option. They combined for eight catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Now, honestly, I do think they have a tougher matchup this week because, you know, you're going to have Sean Lee, you're going to have you know, Jalen Smith, you're going to have Byron Jones, you know, some of those guys are going to be the ones in coverage. 
So if the Broncos can win that third receiving option, if they can go out there and have I, – I don't expect them to have that kind of game every time of eight catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns from that group. But if they can go out there and have eight catches – 80, 90 yards, somewhere in there, and maybe one touchdown. I I like our chances a lot more. You know, teams will have to start respecting those type of players over the middle compared to last year. It it was just so terrible watching those guys run routes last year. It broke my heart because I'm I'm a receiver at heart. You know, that's that's my group. I love that group. And so to see them just doing nothing was was very tough. Um, So Fowler, he's got to keep it up. You know, he's got to keep showing that he can be that trustworthy guy that you can go through on those third downs. You know, those tight ends, they made some tough catches. You know, training camp, I heard that they were making a lot of drops. So can they continue that? You know, I just got a lot of questions with this group. Was that a one-hit wonder, or is this going to be a a band that stays around and you enjoy for years? That's, I don't know. They're they're going to be a a huge measuring point for me of how this season is going to move forward for us. Yeah, absolutely. And because I always have so much to say, I have one bonus quick hit key to the game for the Broncos. Don't get behind early because if you do, this Cowboy offense is built to make the game over quickly. They're going to control it. They're going to pin you deep. They're going to make you march down the field. They're not going to give up any big plays. So if you get behind and you let them control the game on the ground and with the defense, game's probably going to be over. So don't get behind. Get the lead and hopefully that can change the flow of the game. Make Dak beat you then which he can, but playing from behind is not a key to success this week against this team. Who wins? Oh, man, it's a two-and-a-half-point spread uh, uh, to Dallas. Oh, man, you're putting me in a tough spot. I don't want people to stop listening to me. See, I was I was thinking like 27-14 or something. That's what I was thinking. Oh, man, 27-14. to 14. Yeah, okay, I, I guess I'll go with the over. I'll go 24-20, to 20, Dallas. <sighs> I guess I'll, save us. I'll, I'll be the Bronco homer here. Yeah. I will go, I'll go 24-21 Broncos. Like I said, I was very impressed with this this defensive line and how they handled the run game this last week. You know, especially considering when you had two of your what was supposed to be two of your biggest contributors on the defensive line and Kerr and and Crick, both of them out. And so for our young guys to step up and now we're getting Crick and Kerr back. I, I don't know. I, I like that we can maybe make a few stops. You know, that I don't think we're ever going to contain them the entire game. I mean that that would be incredible. This is a this is a dynamic offense that can beat you multiple ways. But I don't know. I, I just like the, the Broncos in the past. They've done so well against teams that have strong run games or when when they've had success back in 2015, you know, when they were so successful because they could they could put extra people in the box because they trusted their cornerbacks. You know, I think that's what we're going to see here. They're going to trust their cornerbacks to go make plays and they're going to trust that they can put an extra guy in the box to help stop the run and, and really make Dak beat them. And I think I, I really think the Broncos might get to Dak a little bit here. Make him make that one big mistake, that that pick six or something like that, that really puts the Broncos over the top. So that and and especially just the Broncos home crowd. Uh, I was so impressed with the Broncos crowd this last week. I hope they're back out there again this week showing off. I mean, every camera that they tried to show pretty much was shaking. It was it was impressive that Broncos crowd out there. So I, I think that noise could maybe get to him a little bit, maybe give Von Miller that little bit of an edge to to beat. Lalo Collins around the edge, maybe a, a strip fumble or something like that. I don't know, just some kind of big play by the defense. They, they're just, they're. It's just gonna happen. I don't know. I have that feeling. Hey, I'm, that's what I'm, happened yeah. in the Super Bowl. That's true, and it was it was great. So I think they'll have a lot of energy and be ready to play because it's gonna be, you know, anytime Dallas plays, it's one of the most watched games of the year. You know, I, I think if you took the top sixteen watched games minus playoffs, I'm guessing it's every single Dallas game. 
you know. So this is this is a big game, and I think especially for Von Miller, you know, he's a he's a Texas at heart. He's a Texan at heart. So I think he wants to show off for his his uh, Texas people. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get out of here, we want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, that will wrap up the week two preview episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Hopefully, the Broncos will be finishing 2-0. Sorry, Vach. And on our way to a perfect record uh, into that by week four or week five, you can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles and content on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Tomorrow morning, I am going to be working on an Adam Gotsis All-22 film piece. I already have all the art or all the film picked. I just have to sit down and write down the who, what, when, where, why, how of it. But I'm excited about that. And as you listeners know, I love the defensive line. So expect more of the same going forward. Uh, what about you, Carl? What are you working on right now? I'm working on three keys moving forward that I need to see from this team to really trust them. You know, that that if they continue to show this trend over the next three to four weeks, you know, when we get to our bye week, I'm going to feel really good about our chances of being that playoff team. Because I, I think I've talked about it on here. I was not the highest person on the Broncos this year, you know, I, I don't, and you weren't either Nick, you know, we've seen that our team has some struggles, some, some holes in it and, and it, a little bit of rebuilding, you know, when you get rid of a guy like TJ Ward, it's kind of a sign that you're rebuilding a little bit, but you know, that first game, they had some signs that left me a little bit more excited than I was before the season started. So I, I don't want to get too crazy or too over the top because of one game, but these are the, the three things that I want to see moving forward. Well, I look forward to that one. That sounds like a great article. Listeners, you should also make sure that you follow and subscribe to Vach Lombardi on Twitter at Vach Lombardi and the same for YouTube. He does great film breakdowns. Of, what's, the, what's the next thing you're working on there, Vach? Uh, I'll probably be, uh, breaking down one of these, uh, one of these rookies, uh, Kenny Galladay or something like that, you know, keeping it in the, in the, uh, division. I just broke down Tariq Cohen, you know, things like that. Um, I may do some Broncos work. I've been wanting to do some offensive line stuff, so I may take a look at Garrett Bowles, you know, I'm going to look out for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I know you were not super big on Cam Robinson. I don't know if you got a chance to check him out though. He had a pretty solid game against JJ Watt. Not not true. Not true. Not true. Even we we the the conversation we had was you thought that Cam was a tackle and I was like yeah Cam can play tackle but Cam will be a phenomenal guard I still stand by that he'll be a phenomenal guard um, but he he's 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 been he's been pretty productive at tackle but man that dude at guard but I see what you're saying though I feel you I mean he's literally in the perfect situation for the type of tackle I mean blocking for Leo Fournette in that downhill offense and that Tom Coughlin build. I mean, it's, if there is a place that he's going to make it at tackle, that's about as good as it gets. Um, shouts out to the Jaguars. I find myself doing a lot of Jaguars film and it's not because I'm a Jaguars fan, but they just got a lot of talent and a lot of people that intrigue me. I just did a 10 sack video. I understand this is a Broncos, you know, show or whatnot, but you can always laugh at, you know, 10 sacks against Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson. So check that out, man. Calais Campbell is a beast. 
Absolutely. After week one, I think the Jags are my dark horse playoff team. I don't even care if it's Bortles or whatever back there. You got a good run game and a defense that looks as good as theirs looks. I mean, I'm a huge Clayus Campbell fan. Huge Clayus Campbell fan. He's one of my boys. I mean, you already have the Titans 0-1. Texans just got a beat down. And the Colts look potentially as bad as the Jets without Andrew Luck. So watch out for the Jags. All I'm saying. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, And we also have audio up on YouTube now, so you can check that out. Thank you to all you YouTube listeners for commenting, and uh, we do our best to get back to you guys with your questions on there. Follow us on Twitter, at MileHighHuddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you guys and fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler and Vach Lombardi, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. And for all of us, especially Vach, go Broncos. Salute. Mile high huddle.